tonight I wanted to, if you want to turn to uh, the book of Mark, uh, tonight's talk is a bit of a Bible study. We're uh, having a look at the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. And, um, well, it's uh, the Gospel according to Mark, because uh, Mark uh, talks about uh, Jesus Christ, and it's a really uh, interesting book. All the, um, all the Gospels have their own style. Uh, there's not one that's uh, better than the other. It's all amazing. It's all perfect. It's all complete. It's the way that the Lord wants it. But dif- the, the Gospels bring out uh, different aspects of uh, the Lord, his character, ministry. And uh, the, the book of Mark, for me, really stands out because it's a really fast-moving book. It's a bit like a pamphlet when you read it. Like if we were to, When we design our pamphlets, we put a testimony uh, a few short um, details in there to catch people's attention. And uh, this gospel here is a, a bit like that. I've made a few notes here. So the gospel, uh, when I look at it, it it's, it's for an outsider. It's um, someone looking in to the Lord's life and, and the book wants to grab uh, the reader's uh, attention. Uh, Mark goes by um, different names, John Mark. Uh, we'll, we'll read a few different accounts of where he's mentioned in the scriptures. Um, the other few interesting points in this uh, book, it, w- it was the first gospel written around 65 AD. And uh, it's the shortest of the four gospels. Uh, it was written in a time of severe persecution under the Roman Emperor Nero. Now, he was an interesting fellow, if you know about him. Um, watched. Uh, Rome burned down. Apparently he was playing the violin while he watched the, um, the city burn down around him. And after all of that, he blamed the Christians uh, of starting the fire, which destroyed m- much of Rome. So, um, And then the persecution uh, started there. It cuts straight to the point. It's uh, a fast-paced account, like I said earlier, uh, of the life of Jesus. There's lots of words in there like straight away or immediately, it's, it's, it just moves from one story to the other. And because it's a short book, uh, so many powerful testimonies in there. He was a co-worker of Peter and Paul. He travelled with Paul and Barnabas across Asia Minor on their first uh, missionary journey. But sometime during their ministry, Mark grew frightened and left the team to return home. And later, when he wanted to try again, Paul considered him young and cowardly and rejected his involvement. But Barnabas, his uncle, uh, he took him under his wing and he mentored him. Uh, mentored him and uh, he emerged a really, a really good leader in the church. So uh, it's, it's just amazing. Paul was a pretty hard man. You, you go to Rundle Mall and maybe someone gives you like a bad look or whatever, but you know, you go on an outreach with Paul, you end up in jail or... You know, you could be killed or whatever, and then he has a go at you because you don't want to go on the outreach anymore. Well, you know, um, it was a tough life, but uh, it turned out that uh, um, John Mark learned his lesson and he wanted to be involved, so he, he got involved. Um, just quoting here, First Peter chapter 5 and verse 13, uh, just a couple of uh, verses where uh, Mark is mentioned. Uh, it says here, the church that is in Babylon, and I think that's... Uh, a code name for Rome, 
uh, elected together, because Babylon wasn't around there, the Lord uh, already passed his judgment on it, it was flattened, there's only foxes and a few animals hanging around Rome at the time, uh, elected together with you, saluteth you, so does Marcus, my son. So he was, he was there involved when um, uh, Peter was writing that epistle. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, uh, My fellow prisoner saluteth you and Marcus, um, sister's son to Barnabas, uh, touching whom you have received commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. So just by that, uh, he was very uh, much part of uh, the ministry. He was part of the, uh, the, the, the church expanding. He was, um, he was there as a pillar. So uh, it's, it's really good to see uh, what, he, what he became. So we, so we just go to uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. So we're just going to move through... Uh, the book, and I'm just going to pick out a, a couple of things and a, a bit of a comment. So right from the beginning, verse 1 will read, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All right, so right, it's, it starts with this punch, doesn't it? Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and this is his story. So it grabs the reader's attention, and uh, the Holy Ghost is, uh, we know that it's all inspired by the Holy Ghost, and the way that the Holy Ghost wrote this, um, is very, very interesting. And, uh, and then we'll go down to, um, uh, we'll do two and three now. As written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy faith, face, which shall prepare the way before thee. A voice crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his paths straight. So already um, he talks about, Jesus Christ being the Son of God and this, this highway, this, this way that was being prepared. And John the Baptist here is uh, being introduced and John's making the way uh, for the Son of God and uh, we know that highways are exciting. I'm excited about South Road. I get to work about you know uh, 20 minutes earlier. And um, lots of people working, um, walking around uh, Israel at the time, and they were in darkness. They were listening to the Pharisees. They weren't having, they not seeing any miracles in their lives. Hearing about a Messiah, hearing about a, a new way, hearing about this way to God, but not ever having any um, tangible relationship with the Lord. And then John the Baptist comes on the scene. He starts talking about the Son of God coming, the Messiah, and then Jesus Christ coming in behind him. We'll go to uh, verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That's... uh, when I read those words, we've read this lots and lots of times, but that's really exciting. Imagine being there, listening to the Son of God, declaring his kingdom. The doors are open, you can come in. It's all, everything's being fulfilled. Or oh, the, pro- the promises of um, uh, the ministry of John the Baptist, uh, making this way, was, was locked in scripture. Here it is being fulfilled and doors being opened. And it was here, it was for everyone. Uh, the times fulfilled. The kingdom of God's here. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now that is for everyone. And 
just for the ones listening online, it was uh, great hearing Harry's testimony. If you're listening for the first time, you're checking out the Revival Fellowship, we're still preaching out of the Word of God, and these things that we're going to read tonight, um, the miracles, uh, the relationship you can have with God, that's all real, that, that can happen to you. We'll go down to verse 23. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us, al- let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit, spirit had torn him, he cried with a loud voice and came, and came out of him. And they, uh, that, um, and they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? And what new doctrine is this? For what, uh, 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 for with uh, authority commanded he even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread uh, abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Okay, so this is what it was like. Uh, Jesus here, uh, demonstrating his authority, and not only was it, uh, for, for this natural realm, but he had power over Satan. Uh, back in Genesis, it talks about the seed of the woman shall crush Satan's head or Satan's power or Satan's hold on the people. And here it was. Uh, Jesus declared the Son of God. John the Baptist identifying him. Jesus coming on the scene saying, it is time. Now is, is when you, uh, the kingdom of God's available to you. And the first thing that happens and, and is recorded here, Satan's crushed and pushed aside. Jesus already uh, is showing his authority that, that Satan has no power uh, in this and is not going to stop this incredible movement uh, that is uh, beginning here. Let's go to chapter 3 and verse 23. Let's keep on picking, picking on Satan. Uh, and this is the, um, uh, yeah, verse 23. And he called unto them, he called unto them and said unto them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom be divided against itself, the kingdom shall not stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, uh, but it hath an end. And no man can enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except uh, he first bind the strong man, and then he'll spoil the house. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But who shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost uh, hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation? Uh, Because they said he had an unclean spirit. Now, um, there was a healing uh, before here, and um, and the Pharisees would throw these things at Jesus. Well, when they when they hear these amazing reports, these these miracles, the Pharisees would say, "Oh, he's he's powered by Satan. It's it's Satan that that that's uh, that's doing this." And Jesus, a very very strong message right here in the beginning, says he's come here to destroy Satan. And if you don't recognize the, the working of the Holy Ghost, 
you're, you're going to be damned. You're, you're not going to uh, enter into the kingdom of God. You'll be paused in this position, in this state, in, in, the, in your sin. And Jesus is saying you've got to start to recognize the Holy Ghost working because it's the Holy Ghost that's going to uh, uh, cleanse you of your sins. It's the Holy Ghost that transports you from this life to the next. And so it's very, very important. And that's why, again, in our fellowship, uh, we repeat, repent, as uh, John the Baptist was talking about. Uh, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for what? The remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We understand we receive the Holy Ghost because we speak out in tongues and we, we repeat that. Now, we're 2,000 years down the track and we're, pre- we're repeating the same message and the same things are happening uh, power over Satan, infilling of God's spirit, and we're seeing these uh, these things here. When I first came to the Lord, um, I was a very different man. Uh, thought very differently. I was I was in the world, thinking naturally, uh, basically like everyone else. Very very um, short term approach to life. You know what? I only had enough money to get me through the weekend, and then it was uh, back to work again and uh, earning some more. Um, not thinking much about my future, and all of a sudden, Jesus Christ invites me to a meeting like this—a Holy Ghost meeting. Come in, I receive the Holy Spirit, I speak speak out in tongues, and it's a it's a bit like this gospel. Your life starts moving, and you see miracles. You hear about miracles. You preach the gospel and see miracles in other people's lives. And uh, that's what the Lord wants us uh, to be involved in. And all the people said, Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, uh, chapter 5. So Jesus there is telling everyone around about that you've got to recognize the power of the Holy Ghost. And the power of the Holy Ghost doesn't come from Satan. It comes straight from God and it does good things. Uh, And here, chapter 5 and verse... 17. So Jesus is still picking at Satan. And, uh, and verse 17. This is when uh, he heals a man named Legion. 5 verse 17. Sorry, I'm just uh, paraphrasing. So yeah, I'll, I'll just let you know what, what has happened here. Jesus comes uh, across and he, he meets this man. And this man um, is possessed by uh, an unclean spirit and um, he was dwelling among the tombs and uh, people couldn't control him, uh, so they, they would chain him up. And when he saw Jesus, he ran towards him and, uh, and started to worship the Lord and the Lord immediately healed him, just released him. It's a wonderful story there. Just for the sake of time, we're not going to go through it all. But it's interesting what happened afterwards, and that's what uh, we're going to read here. Um, people must have, he must have been a famous sort of guy. This, they knew about this man, Legion, who, who was like, you know, hanging around the tombs. And all of a sudden, um, he's healed. And, uh, and people were, were just responding to this. And we'll just read it here in verse uh, 17. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come uh, into the ship, uh, he that had been possessed uh, with the devil prayed him that he might uh, 
might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee, and how how he's had compassion on thee. And he departed uh, and began to publish in the the Capolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all the all the men did marvel. So that is what happens. That's that's the the preaching of Christ. Uh, a healing happens, and this man just wanted to follow the Lord. I want to I want to be with you. And Jesus said, "What I want you to do is I want you to go around all these towns around about." Um, uh, and, and I think there's ten towns there. Um, around that region there, and he was to preach the gospel and tell everyone around those towns there about what the Lord had done for him. So this man here was famous for the wrong reason. He was you know, possessed with the devil, but yet Jesus saying, I'm going to turn your life around. I'm going to turn all that around, and you were once under the power of Satan. Now I've, I've healed you. I want you now with authority to go and publish uh what I've done, my power, my authority. And uh, he did that. Praise the Lord. Go to chapter 6. Chapter 6 and verse 14. And this is uh, Herod. And Herod was trying to identify who Jesus uh, was. And uh, we'll go to verse 14. And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he said uh, that... Uh, that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. And others said, it is uh, Elias. And others uh, said, uh, it's a prophet, or one of the prophets. And Herod heard thereof, and he said, it's John, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. And Herod himself had sent forth and laid uh, hold upon John and bound him in prison, and for Herodias' sake, his brother, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. All right, so it's very complicated there. We're not going to get into all of that, but um, you can see the effect that uh, John's preaching had on King Herod. Now, King Herod um, somehow backed himself, very stupid man, backed himself into a corner, and um, and made a pledge and said. To, the, uh, to a damsel, uh, Herodias' uh, daughter, uh, you know, he, he, he said, well, whatever you want, I'll, I'll give it to you. And she said, I want the head of John the Baptist. Now, um, King Herod actually knew that John the, it says here that John the Baptist, he, he believed him to be a, a holy man, a man of authority, but yet for his oath's sake, he killed John. He didn't, he didn't stand up to this maid, which, you know, Really, really strange. You, you know, you, wouldn't you think uh, if she asked for that, he'd say, no, he's a man of God and leave him alone sort of thing. But um, no, his, um, his judgment, he cared more about this world and how he looked in this world than pleasing God. And so that must have been, just reading these uh, verses here, it must have been playing on Herod's mind because he's hearing these miracles and he must have regretted doing that he's saying oh no this is john the baptist you know that nothing's going to stop whatever momentum was uh, was going on at the time all those miracles and crowds coming through uh, so you can see the effect 
that the Lord was having, even with the, the, the ruling class at the time. Herod here, fearing uh, the, whole, uh, the whole situation, um, and uh, so the, the Lord's authority pe- it penetrated through. We'll go to verse 39. Verse 39, um, and here the Lord feeds the 5,000. Jesus Christ, the future king, looking after us and uh, looking after this crowd and, and later on now looking after the whole world. Uh, verse 37 will start. And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And he, he said unto them, uh, if we will go and buy 200 pennyworth of, of bread um, and, and give them, it won't be enough. And then verse 38 it says, uh, And he said unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. Uh, and, when, and when they knew, they said five and two fishes, five loaves of bread and two fishes. And he commanded them to, uh, to all sit down by companies upon the grass. And as they sat down in the ranks by hundreds and fifties, and when he had uh, taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up into heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes he divided among them all, and they all did eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments of the fishes. And they that did eat, of the lows were about 5,000 men. Now that is incredible, isn't it? Uh, and that's actually showing uh, the power and, uh, and what the Lord was all about. He was all about abundance. He, um, he had an answer for everything. He could look after us. It didn't matter what's happening in our lives, what limitations there are, Jesus Christ here demonstrating that uh, he is our king. He'll look after us. Uh, he's the one um, that we need to look to. Go to chapter 8 and verse 27. And Jesus here asking his disciples, um, who do you think I am? And uh, we'll go to verse 27. And when Jesus went out, his disciples um, into the towns of Caesarea Philippi, And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. And some say Elias, and others say one of the prophets. Again, the same sort of things as what Herod uh, said there. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Who do you think I am? Saying, You've been with me. You've been part of all all of this. And Peter answered and said uh, unto him, "Thou Thou art the Christ, and he charged them that they should not tell any man. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and killed and after three days rise again. Uh, and, uh, and, and he, and, uh, he, he spake and sang openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. And when he had uh, turned about, looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And uh, here in, in the, the Gospel of Mark, there's lots of... Um, it, it's just bringing out the two ways of thinking where you can either think naturally and miss the whole, the whole thing, or you can listen to Jesus 
And Jesus is going to show us that new way, that, that highway that they were talking about there, uh, this new way of thinking that uh, I'm going to lay down my life to bring forth life. I'm going to uh, lay down my life so I'm going to show you the power of resurrection, who I really am. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus was um, trying to get across here. And then Peter's thinking was, I want to process this naturally. And Jesus said, if you, if you want to process this naturally, you're going to miss out. And, and, really, and rebukes him saying, I'm showing you new things. You need to move with it. You need to just uh, trust in me. And uh, this theme uh, is repeated in, in the gospel here that, uh, you know, spiritual thinking, just if, if things come up that you don't understand, well, just trust me because you will uh, understand the things that I'm telling you. We'll go to ch- uh, chapter 9 and verse 7. Uh, here we're going to read about uh, the, Lord's, uh, the Lord being transfigured before the disciples. So um, chapter 9 and verse 7. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly, when they had looked around about, they saw no, they, they saw no man anymore, save Jesus, uh, and uh, uh, Jesus only with themselves. So, um, here, the Lord is, uh, is giving a, a snapshot of what's going to happen. He, he already told them that he was going to uh, die and and be raised again on the third day. And here, the um, uh, you can read uh, the the account there. But Jesus is transfigured before their eyes. He was flesh and blood, and then this uh, um, uh, this cloud overshadowed them, and uh, he turned into light for that uh, for that short period of time. The disciples saw that. So the Son of God turns into light, and then turns back into flesh and blood again right before their eyes. And it's here recorded for us, uh, this account uh, in, the, in the Gospel of, of Mark. Uh, and then, and then we, um, we'll go on. We'll go to chapter 15. Chapter 15 and verse 29. This is the uh, crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And the interesting thing here is um, throughout all this, this time here, um, the people that should have recognized Jesus Christ, the religious people, uh, the people of the day, um, they saw all the miracles and everything, but they still allowed uh, natural thinking to prevail. Um, Jesus called it, you know, this, this get behind me saying this natural thinking just limits you. And they called for Jesus' death. Um, King Herod didn't recognize him. Uh, the uh, Pharisees didn't recognize him. Pontius Pilate didn't recognize him, and so he ends up being crucified here. And uh, we'll read about it in verse 29. And when they passed by, uh, they railed upon this Jesus on the cross, uh, wagging their heads and saying, Oh, uh, thou that destroyest the temple and builds it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. And likewise also the chief priests mocking and said among themselves uh, with the scribes, he saved others himself he cannot save. Let Christ the King of Israel descend uh, now from the, the cross that we may see and believe. 
And they that uh, were crucified with him reviled him. Uh, and it was the sixth hour, and then the sixth hour come, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried uh, with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama samachthani, which being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And, and some of them that stood by, when they heard it, said, Behold, he calls for Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, uh, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come and take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him, uh, saw that he cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. And it's interesting how all the people that are mentioned should have recognized Jesus Christ. It was the centurion that actually testified that this man here was the Son of God. Now, the centurion was a a very experienced man. He would have been at many crucifixions. He would have seen uh, many trials, uh, many men dying in front of him. But this death was different. The things that were happening, all the events leading to the Lord's crucifixion. And it really, um, uh, uh, with, with the Gospel of Mark, it really highlights who, you know, what the, what the Gospel was recorded for. It was for the outsider. Here, a Gentile um, standing up and saying, truly, this man was the son of God. I find that really interesting in the book of uh, Mark. You go through all the accounts, and uh, and here we are, a, uh, a Gentile standing up and saying this, seeing all these, these things and saying, yes, this is the son of God. Uh, we'll go to, go to chapter 16. Now, uh, Mark 16 is very famous. Who's heard of Mark 16 in our fellowship? <laughs> it's something that we, we always quote from because this is, this is the roadmap. This is the, the spiritual highway to the kingdom of God. It's, uh, it's interesting how, um, just before, we'll go to verse 15, but the, the verses, uh, the verse before that, even though Jesus told the disciples exactly what was going on, there was reports on, uh, when you read uh, the earlier verses in this chapter, um, Jesus is reported that uh, he's risen from the dead. And the disciples that followed Jesus, and, the, and Jesus actually spelled it out to them, he was transfigured before him, uh, before them. They didn't believe that he was risen. In verse 14 it says, And afterwards he appeared unto the eleven. And so they went back to natural thinking. Um, he went to the eleven as they sat at me, and he abraded them. He was you know, he's, he's stirring, up, uh, stirring them up. Uh, for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. You say, well, you just can't keep on going on like this. You can't, um, there's, there's going to be things happening in your life that you do not understand. You've got to, um, believe me. You've got to take spiritual, these spiritual truths and apply them in your life and believe them. And so then he gives us this instruction in verse 15. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. Praise the Lord. The Lord 
makes it so clear. When, he, when he's talking about salvation, he makes it so clear. It's black and white here. If you believe, then you'll get baptized and uh, you will be saved. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name thou shalt cast out devils. And uh, we had a lot of uh, examples here where the devil uh, were cast out and there was power over Satan. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the words with with signs following, Amen, so be it. And we know that after this, the disciples did um, respond, and uh, they ended up receiving the Holy Spirit, just like this was a prophecy at the time here, but they they received the Holy Spirit, they spoke out in tongues, they they preached the gospel, and uh, we have the book of Acts, you know, and here we are. This is the extension of the book of Acts. So uh, I just want to leave it there. I thought it was um, interesting just going through the book of Mark and just seeing uh, that style of uh, the characteristics that came out when you have a look at um, how the gospel was preached and how it was all recorded. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. 